0: Welcome to Public Speaking the Actor's Way. I'm Buzz Morrow. In the previous episode, we started to look at some ways to approach public speaking like an actor. We talked about how it's important to treat your audience the way an actor treats their scene partners, so in public speaking situations, no one is an outside observer. And the way a good actor interacts with their scene partners is by trying to get something from them, whether that's directions or respect or a one-way ticket back to Kansas. Similarly, speakers need to try to get something from their listeners. Strange as that may sound. We're used to thinking that the speaker is the one giving something, information, ideas, etc. And the listeners are just sort of receptacles. But having an active objective vis-a-vis your listeners, trying to get something from them, is the single most powerful thing you can do to take your presentations from so-so To great. So, we're going to apply the acting techniques of defining and strengthening objectives to the art of public speaking. But before we get into some details about how objectives work, there's a question we need to consider. In the last episode, we looked at some of the ways acting techniques might be helpful for public speakers. That's, of course, a big question for a podcast called Public Speaking the Actor's Way. Why acting? And in a way, this entire podcast is an answer to that question. But there's an even more important question we should be asking. Why public speaking? (laughs) I think a lot of people who do public speaking don't give enough thought to why. If they ask themselves the question at all, the answer is often, because my boss is making me, and they leave it at that, which can only lead to a mediocre presentation at best. I like to ask speakers, is this presentation something you could just distribute as a handout? Sometimes a presentation can seem to be just a kind of information dump, and the answer actually seems to be yes, it would be possible to pass it out on paper or in an email and be done with it. If the answer is yes, then that's definitely what you should do. Much cheaper and easier and a whole lot less stressful. Of course, usually people say, no, I couldn't do that. But that's often just because they think if they sent a written version, no one would read it. But let's agree right now. If the only reason you're having a personal human interaction with a group of people is to force information down their throats, your presentation will not be good. If you're going to gather people in a room or get online with them and have an extended human interaction, it would really help to know what your reasons are. Whether we're talking about in-person or online, the question is, why is it important for you to show up and ask people to listen to you say these particular things in real time? The answer is different for every speaker and every presentation. But I think the importance lies in the fact that when you show up to do it, you're putting your whole self behind it. Even if it's a monthly report on sales figures, your physical presence, as opposed to disembodied ideas on paper or a screen, tells your listeners that what you're saying matters. It matters to you, so it should matter to them. It's similar to the experience of watching a live performance of a play. Those living bodies on the stage are sharing something with you in that moment, never to be repeated in the exact same way, and the meaning and power that are transmitted go way beyond what a video of the same performance could ever convey. Have you ever seen a play in which you felt a particular actor didn't really want to be there? (laughs) The phoning it in syndrome? It's actually quite rare, but I've certainly seen it. And it's not pleasant. It's not just bad. It's like a betrayal of an unspoken agreement that actors and audiences are somehow giving themselves to each other through their physical presence together for those couple of hours. And something similar happens in speeches and presentations. You don't want to watch one in which the presenter doesn't care. And you certainly don't want to be that presenter. So if what you're saying doesn't matter to you, you've got a problem. If you're delivering a presentation in person because your boss told you to deliver that presentation in person, you need to find a better reason for yourself, or your presentation will be weak. It's actually even worse than that. I think we've all seen presentations where we've left the room actually knowing and caring less about the material than if they had just given us a handout, because the presenter was so disengaged or unfocused or just plain dull. Presenting something in person can actually subtract meaning from it. That happens if it's done in a way that doesn't appropriately honor the listeners and the occasion. Yes, even if it's a sales report. So, the only good reason to give a presentation is to exploit the power of a personal human interaction. And that can only be done by connecting to your material, connecting to your audience, and connecting your material to your audience. In some cases, you'll feel you have tons of connection to your presentation and a strong need to deliver it. And in other cases, you'll need to create that connection. Much of what we'll talk about in this podcast series will address all those different kinds of connection. But there's one particular tool of the actor's trade that is especially good at making connections happen. And it's the one we've already started talking about. The speaker's objective. Good actors pursue objectives from their scene partners while an audience watches And good public speakers pursue objectives from their listeners, while no one watches. What we're really talking about is making sure you have a strong reason to speak. Whenever we speak in, quote, real life, we're trying to achieve an objective. We speak out of need, or at least out of desire. And I mean every time. We don't tend to think of it like that, because the need or desire is often unconscious, And putting it in those terms makes us sound selfish or something, but it's true. For example, if I say, would you please get me a glass of water? It's quite possible that I'm trying to achieve the objective of getting a glass of water. And I'm trying to get it from the person I'm speaking to. Of course, I might have other reasons too. It's possible that I'm trying to force that person to see me as the one in charge. Or maybe I'm just trying to get them out of the room. Even if I say something that seems to have no possible agenda, like, I bought a gallon of milk. On some level, I may be trying to get credit for being a thoughtful husband, or I may simply be trying to make my spouse refrain from buying more milk on their way home. But either way, I mentioned buying the milk because there was something I wanted to make happen. If I say, I love you, I may be trying to get the person I said it to to say it back, or to get them to forgive me for something or to make them feel good about themselves, all of which can be seen as things I'm trying to achieve in relation to that person. Or if I say Citizen Kane is the greatest movie ever made, I may be trying to get someone to tell me how insightful I am, or I may be trying to instigate an enjoyable debate, or dot dot dot. If there's nothing I'm interested in making happen in a given moment, I'm most likely not going to say anything at all. Well, okay, yes, there may be times when I blurt something out for absolutely no reason that I or anyone else can imagine. In fact, I'm sure that has happened with me from time to time. But I think we can agree there's no public speaking scenario where that kind of thing would be desirable. You want to speak for a reason, and that always means trying to make something happen. Okay, so what if I say something like, Profits have risen by 2.5% over the last year. In what we're used to calling real life, I must have had some reason for saying that. And that reason almost always takes the form of something I want to make happen in the person I said it to. I might say it because I want my boss to remember how helpful I was in making those profits rise. Or I might be trying to make an employee work harder in the coming year because this year they fell so far short of the target of 7.5% growth. And here's another important aspect of how objectives work. Whatever my reason is for saying something, in real life, the reason comes first. The objective exists first, and then comes the talking. I have something I want to make happen. And I say some words because I think they might help me achieve it. First, I feel thirsty. Then I ask for water. First, I feel the desire for praise and adoration. Then I brag about buying the milk. Actors and public speakers, though, are in an artificial situation, and they need to do something we don't have to do in real life. And this is a big part of what can make their job difficult. Actors and public speakers tend to have a script or at least some sense of what they're going to say when they get up there. But let's say it's a script. The problem with a script is that it tells you what to say without specifying why you say it. If you wrote the script yourself, you stand a chance of knowing the reasons for your sentences. But unfortunately, that's no guarantee that you will remember those reasons or succeed in focusing on them while you're delivering the presentation, or that the reasons will be as strong as they could be in the first place. So whether you wrote the script yourself or someone wrote it for you, to deliver it well, you have to do some reverse engineering of the human process of communication. To perform a script well, you have to study what you're going to say and work backwards to find or reignite a stimulus that's strong enough to make you need to say that thing. If you say the words just for the sake of getting the words said, You're not really communicating. You're only communicating when you recreate the process of having an objective before every presentation and ideally before every sentence. Keeping all of this in mind before the script gets written can help a lot, of course, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. But for now, let's say you've either been told what to say, meaning you're delivering a script that someone else wrote, which happens all the time. Or you've written a presentation and now are focusing on how to perform it. Bad actors and public speakers make the fatal error of looking at what they're supposed to say and trying to figure out how to say it without filling in the crucial stimulus of the why. I can't tell you how many times I've had both actors and public speakers say to me something like, I just can't figure out how to say this. Well, that's almost always because you're asking the wrong question. It's a fundamental error of process, and it can get pretty comical. Profits have risen by 2.5% over the last year. Profits have risen by 2.5% over the last year. Profits have risen, etc. Instead of asking how you should say it and randomly experimenting, work on why you should say it. In other words, your objective And in most cases, the how will become obvious, or at least a lot easier to figure out. As we talked about in the last episode, if you can maintain your focus on an objective, you're less likely to be distracted by worries about things like how to say your lines or about what the audience thinks of you. But having a strong objective may also help you actually achieve something worthwhile, like getting people to vote for you or getting your listeners to stop smoking or making your employees take greater pride in the success of your company. Without a strong objective, you may find yourself thinking your presentation was a success if you sounded smart, or if someone laughed at a joke, or you got through it without throwing up. And you can do better. You can become a powerful speaker who actually gets their listeners to change how they think, feel, or behave. And that should be the point of bothering to get into the room with them. As you start applying this idea to your own public speaking, it's important to keep in mind that objectives are not necessarily inherent in the content of your presentation. That means it's not a matter of looking at your script or your data and figuring out what the objective is. It's a matter of deciding for yourself what your objective could be. In The Wizard of Oz... At least one of Dorothy's objectives is pretty explicit in the script. She wants to get back to Kansas. That's a clear objective that she and others refer to over and over. But in a more subtle script, like Death of a Salesman, say, uh, what Lil- Willie Lohman wants is a little harder to pin down. He may want respect and for attention to be paid, But in certain moments, he may also want to get his boss to pay him more, or to make his sons love him, or to make the world pay for rejecting him. And he might have any number of other goals, too, some of which might be completely unique to the actor who happens to be playing him. That's part of what makes the role a challenge for actor after actor, and part of what makes it enjoyable for audiences to watch different actors take on a role like Willie, or Atticus Finch, or Hamlet. But even in the relatively straightforward Wizard of Oz, lots of objectives are going to be chosen by the actor. What exactly does Dorothy want Auntie M to do about Miss Gulch? What exactly does she hope to achieve by running away? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We aren't privy to what was going on in Judy Garland's head as she played Dorothy, so we don't know exactly what objectives that actor may have been focusing on at any given point. But I guarantee you this. She had objectives, or she wouldn't have been interesting to watch. And every other actor in the film had them, too. They were all trying to achieve something at every point. Things like to save Dorothy, to receive a heart or brain transplant, etc. So, if my line is, profits have risen by 2.5% over the last year, I have to have a strong reason for saying it other than the fact that it's on my page or my slide. Or it will sound like a boring statistic that should have been sent in an email. But exactly what that reason is, is up to me. It probably has something to do with my reason for giving the presentation as a whole, which is also up to me. In acting terms, you need a super objective for the presentation as a whole, and a series of smaller objectives along the way. My super objective in a play may be to get home to Kansas. It's the big thing that I want. But I have objectives within that, like get the witch's broomstick and help my friend find some courage. The super objective of my presentation on profit growth may be to make my colleagues come up with a new marketing plan. And one of my objectives within that might be to make them cringe at a measly 2.5%. If I pursue that and a series of other objectives as well, I'll maintain my focus throughout, I'll also forge a strong connection with my audience, and I'll get the new marketing plan of my dreams. The best time to think about objectives is before you get specific about any other aspect of your presentation. Before you decide what stories you want to tell or what statistics you're going to present, and before you start deciding what words you're going to say. But even if you've already completely written out a speech, the very biggest favor you can do yourself is to spend some time, like an actor, strengthening your reasons for speaking. In the next episode, we'll lay out a step-by-step process for defining objectives for any presentation and refining them to create the strongest possible connection to your material and to your listeners. Public Speaking the Actor's Way is produced by the Theatre Lab in Washington, D.C. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.